This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes. How was your weekend, kids? My Virginia Cavaliers won an NCAA tournament. It was every bit of drama as you might imagine sports can do over Saturday and Monday. And then I watched NXT, WrestleMania, Raw, and SmackDown. I thought NXT was fantastic. I thought Mania was a crowd-pleasing mess. Raw wasn't too bad. And SmackDown was kind of there, I thought. Uh, joining me, as always, trying to get through my cold is Chris Novembrino. Chris, Friday night, um, I drunk dialed you about midnight. Yeah, you did. I was sitting here and I, I was doing, as I often do, relaxing with my three cats as we were pondering tomes of philosophy. And then all of a sudden, I get ruckus. I get raucous energy from Jeff Hawkins celebrating some sort of sports ball thing. What happened, Jeff? Allow me to explain uh, what exactly happened. I flew into Minneapolis on Friday, early afternoon, checked into my hotel where uh, all the college coaches were staying, saw a lot of uh, famous people, as you might imagine. My brother, I go out to get l- some lunch, and I text my brother, who's also coming into town, and he goes, uh, hey, you can come down and meet us at uh, this bar here. I go, okay, great. So I go down there. I haven't eaten any food yet because I think they're going to go get dinner. Have a beer or two. This is the precursor. It's always a bad sign when the story starts with, I have not eaten food yet. Yes. So my brother and his friends have to go out to St. Paul because they're not staying in town. They're staying at at a buddy's uncle's house that they're trying to sell and all these other things. But before they left, a couple of fans from Texas Tech came in to start drinking, and we befriended them. And so they invited me to come with them bar hopping. This was a mistake, because we went bar hopping all right. And uh, I drank harder alcohol after the beer. What did we progress to? uh, What did we progress to? Whiskey? Vodka? Gin? uh, Jack Daniels, and then a very nice... Brown sugar, old fashioned, at a fancy schmancy joint. Oh, that's fun. Um, these guys were staying at an Airbnb. Now, while taking care of my drunk butt, they decided we're not going to take him into our Airbnb. We're going to leave him in the lobby of this apartment complex. Well, security guard came by. I tend to be a sleepy drunk, so I was out. It is protocol for security guards for a non-responsive person to call the popo. So the police came down, and I am frantically trying to get into my phone to call the local person who I had been texting to come join us, who I knew from improv. And uh, I happened to be so drunk, I A, don't remember it, but B, I hit a lot of numbers in my phone, including yours. There were multiple calls. I kind of set this up as just the load call. I actually had several calls that I was confused, and I just thought Jeff was 
kind of partying it down and sent him like a needling tweet on Twitter just uh, to bust his balls a little bit. I did not realize that this spiraled so out of hand. Well, uh, I got very, very lucky. For my friend in Minneapolis came down to get me, wrote me, said, stay right there. Turns out this person is a special friend of the court. Took over my well-being, told the cops I'd be okay, so I did not have to spend the night in detox. And after that, I did not drink again, despite the fact that both the Saturday game against Auburn and the Monday night championship against Texas Tech was driving me hardcore to drink because I went through every possible emotion over the course of those two games, Chris. So let me ask you this. How rough was the recovery the next day? Um, I had an empty stomach, but I had drank plenty of water. So after getting a good night's sleep, it wasn't that bad, honestly. Okay, okay. Uh, I was a little groggy. I was a little slow on the uptake. But once I got a Diet Mountain Dew in me, I was okay. And then I proceeded to have a couple of heart attacks during Friday or Saturday night. And a couple of heart attacks during Monday night. Um, but your team won, right? My team are now the national champions, despite trying to blow both games. I learned that WWE does not do drama as real as emotionally invested real sports teams, unfortunately. Um, so while I liked TakeOver and while I liked WrestleMania, it didn't emotionally resonate as much especially WrestleMania, and we'll get into that, especially the Kofi match, which I enjoyed, but I thought they made some aesthetic choices that worked against emotion and emotional involvement. But, um, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with NXT? Yeah, let's start with NXT. Let's, let's run down the card. Which match would you like to begin with? Let's go from the beginning to the end. I will let you run it while I drink some hot tea and uh, clear my throat because I sound like Froggy from The Little Rascals. Absolutely. Give me a match here. I don't have the card right in front of me. Oh, God. <laughs> um, let's see. The War Raiders of Hanson and Rowe defeated Aleister Black and Ricochet. Okay. The War Raiders versus Aleister Black and Ricochet. Now, we are now... This is where I'm really fooling the fog of war from the like nearly 24 hours of... WWE entertainment that we have watched over the weekend. I liked this match, even though the outcome of the match was a foregone conclusion. I thought that um, Aleister Black in particular and his pairing with Ray Rowe was really, really good. I, I just like the, the way those two guys square off. I like the mutual respect at the end of the match, the, the bowing, just the respect that uh, Aleister Black and Ricochet get as they're leaving NXT. I thought all of that was really good. And then the rest of the match was really exciting. I, it was what I thought this match was going to be. Could it have been a little bit longer? Yeah, but a lot of times I feel like that with the NXT opening match, especially when it's a really kick-and-tag team match. Power guy versus power guy, athletic guy versus athletic guy. I loved this match. Um, I was never a big fan of the War Raiders, um, but they're starting to really grow on me quite a bit. They don't have the charisma I quite want out of them, uh, mostly because they're not given a chance to talk yeah, all that much. Yeah, they need to let Hanson do a little bit more talking for them, because that guy can talk, and he has shown... 
that he's got a bit of an attitude when they finally give him the microphone to work, but they don't do anything with these guys. They just come out and pose and look cool, but they need to do more than just look cool at this point. Alistair Black and Ricochet wrestled Friday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday in tough matches. They are being tested. I hope they passed. Yeah, I, I I feel like they did, but but this has certainly been an ordeal over the last four days, at least for their uh, bodies, right? Yeah, I kind of took pause at Alistair Black still being hailed from NXT on SmackDown on Tuesday. I, I was a little worried about that, but uh, we'll see in the Superstar Shakeup what happens to all these guys. Uh, next match, Velveteen Dream, the North American champion, defeated Matt Riddle. Uh, for me, I absolutely loved bipolar Matt Riddle. Yes, where the, he went the from pieces of him being a heel and the flashes of that. It, it made sense to have him working as sort of marginally heel. And this match almost it was worked perfectly, in my opinion, from the standpoint of you didn't want to do a double turn, right? But Velveteen Dream's style really lends himself much more to being the babyface in peril, and Matt Riddle's style lends itself much more to being the showy, cocky, submission specialist guy. And we got that without having a babyface heel inversion in its purest way. For for me, I think... It gives them an out to turn Matt Riddle heel at any time. Right, right. Um, I, you know, I, I was kind of taken aback by him turning back into the bro at the end of the match. I thought he should have been a little bit more upset, but uh, maybe they're building something there. Uh, I don't mind uh, Velveteen Dream winning here. I liked the way he sold, actually. I liked his... His pain mannerisms, so to speak. I thought, uh, I thought it gave him a really good chance to uh, work on those. I thought... Riddle carried him in a few different spots, but uh, that's okay. I think you're right. I think Velveteen Dream is more of a presence slash uh, tribute act at times, but uh, there are times where he's very, very good. Right. No, and, and that tribute act style of his works well for very specific things, and so long as you're doing those specific things with Velveteen Dream, you can get a good match out of him. I would not go so far as to say he's a great wrestler right now, but I will say that you can get a great match out of him. We have a new NXT UK champion as Walter defeated Pete Dunne. Oh um, boy, Jeffrey, that was one hell of a match. Let, let me just say, at the end of the match, when Walter powerbombed Pete Dunne into oblivion, I was going, oh, like, people in my house were screaming, like, we couldn't believe ourselves as that was going on. What a match. It was everything I was hoping for. The chops were very impressive. I got a little tired of the small digit manipulation after a while. I I did. There was logic to it in the sense that you wanted to take away Walter's chops. I, I understand that. Um, I'm, I'm with you, though. It, it can overstay its welcome, particularly with Pete Dunne as a baby face. It's hard for me to be like, yeah, work that finger joint. Yeah, get him. Really screw that finger joint over. But I'm hoping this is uh, Pete Dunne's swan song in NXT UK, and they can move on to another brand. I'm, uh, I, I think he has such a great presence. If he's able to uh, talk in the McMahon style, I think he will be okay. Uh, he, he gives off such a vibe that he gets over, so I don't worry about him too much. Um, 
But uh, again, this is all lead up until next week's draft, so speculating would be uh, futile. Right, yeah, no, I know. We'll have to see what happens next week, although it does look like, you know, with where Buddy Murphy's being rotated around, Pete Dunn's probably on the move as well. I think that's fair to say. Shayna Baszler beat Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kyrie Sane to retain her NXT Women's Championship. No interference on the uh, on behalf of Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir. No fight, no play. Uh, this story was about Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane working together until it was time to turn on each other and then ruining each other's chances. And Bianca Belair trying to take advantage of it, but not having anybody to help her when she throws out both out of the ring gets tapped out um i i thought sometimes the choreography got a little too cute by half um but overall i enjoyed the story of the match i can't get into the eo and Kyrie drama stuff it's just uh i don't know what the word is for it cartoonish I, yes there, it's hammy um, and it's like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this to you. Oh, I don't want to do this to you. It's like, oh, come on. Come on. Yeah, it's that acting to the back of the room thing. Yes. Um, it's, um, it's way overwrought, and it takes me out of it, and, and I want to see EO just stand on the merits in NXT, and she had fine matches in the Cruiserweight Classic, or not the Cruiserweight Classic, uh, the Mae Young Classic, but since she has been on the NXT roster, the great matches, especially on the singles side, have been few and far between. I think this suffered from not having a lot of one-on-one stories other than Io and Kyrie. Um, you know, Shayna's great. I thought she might be getting moved up, but retaining the title kind of gives me some doubts. Um... I thought Shayna was very good. Uh, she spent a lot of time not getting involved while the Sky Pirates and Bianca Belair kind of fought amongst themselves. Which is a problem in this match, right? Is it becomes yeah. like Shayna gets outshined here. Not outshined, but she really does become an afterthought at the tail end of this match. So she picks up the win. She looks dominant. But during the course of the match, it's all about, yeah, the Sky Pirates and then Bianca and... Shayna just kind of comes and cleans up and gets the win, which works for a heel to a certain extent, but then also sort of makes the case that there were too many people in this match. And then for me, once again, Johnny Gargano involved in the match of the weekend. Johnny Gargano defeating Adam Cole, two falls to one, to win the vacant NXT championship. I loved the story they told for a match where all the drama is involved in false finishes, which is today's indie style. Um, I thought it was great. Um, I liked that Johnny did not get any assistance to take out the Undisputed Era. Um, I liked that this kept going, and then you thought it was a little too much, and then it kept going, and it turned out to be just great. I, you know, Johnny Gargano, even though he didn't quite earn uber babyface status with the way they explained his role in this match, because he never really... He never really gave up the ghost in terms of his bad behavior, other than saying, well, it was all a ruse. Yeah, but you still did bad things, Johnny. That said, he is now uber-shining babyface on the hill. I think this is a great role that NXT has done a couple times, especially with Bailey. 
I think they do it well. I think they do it better than the main roster, and I could not be happier. Yeah, I certainly agree that they do shining baby face on a hill much better than on the main roster. Just look at Bailey on NXT versus Bailey on the main roster. I think that's a pretty, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Right. Um, obviously, when we were doing the prediction show, I wanted Adam Cole to be standing strong here with the undisputed era at the end of this. I get that they wanted to have this visual with Tommaso Ciampa and Candice and Johnny all hugging on WrestleMania weekend. Do a little bit of uh, the parallelism with Shawn Michaels. The boyhood dream has come true, and they were hitting some of those notes on commentary, too. I I hear you, Mora. I hear you. I know what songs you're trying to play. Um, That said, my issue with embracing Johnny as uber babyface, you kind of just laid out some of them. And then another issue I had with this match, which I, in in balance, liked. I liked it a lot. Uh, But I thought the Undisputed Era interference was too heavy-handed at that point in the match and that it should have cost Johnny the title. Like, that level of interference from the Undisputed Era, if that resulted in pinning Johnny, that struck me as totally plausible. In fact, more plausible than Johnny kicking out. I was surprised when Johnny kicked out. Can I say I thought Mauro Ranallo was intolerable all night? Really? I thought okay, he take, was... me, take me through the intolerable argument. All right. I, I, I want to hear it. I just want to hear it. I'm not, I'm not, I don't necessarily have a great rebuttal for it. Um, This night, more than others, he was screaming pop cultural references as many times as he could, and it really took away from my enjoyment from a lot of matches. Uh, he's usually rather tempered in that. Yeah, yeah, um, it's true, especially on the takeovers. Those are more for, like, this... the tapings. This time, every match, every match, and every big spot, he had a comment for it. And I was just like, Morrow, let it breathe a bit, man. I, I uh, yeah, I, I had a real problem with Morrow on this show. I like Morrow a lot. I think Morrow's excitedness. I don't like you when he takes us to Metaphor City. Sometimes we go to Metaphor and Simile City, and it's too much. Yes. Yes. So that's uh, NXT TakeOver. Uh, Saturday night was the Hall of Fame inductions. Uh, big headlines coming out of that were a fan, a amateur mixed martial artist, attacked Bret Hart and got his butt kicked. And then shortly thereafter, writer Artie Evans, a.k.a. Mixed Martial Archie, a.k.a. Uh, the tall and handsome mysterious stranger from Chikara, um a.k.a. barrister Robert Evans from ROH, was fired in guerrilla position because Bret Hart said Vince McMahon's name. And then shortly thereafter, um, actually afterwards... Wait a second, uh, weren't Hunter and all of them making fun of this later on in the night? Yes. And so what someone actually was, lost their job, and then Hunter comes out and goes, Oh, you can't say that. Ha ha ha. That's a joke. But it actually happened. Here, Here's what happened, apparently. Uh, he will say he quit. And then apparently Vince McMahon says, I hope you've learned your lesson. And he left. And then Waltman and Triple H asked, Can we say your name out there when we go? And Vince said, Oh, yeah, sure. He is a mental. Um... Apparently, Bret Hart's name was on the teleprompter, or not uh, Bret Hart, but Vince McMahon's. To me, if you're going to control the script that tightly, you have a table read and you edit it out, or you proofread it prior to approval and putting it in the teleprompter, 
if you're going to be this controlling and not let them speak from the heart, I get that it's probably a hard and fast rule for the geeks. But this just leads me to think that Vince McMahon's nothing but a bully who wants to hang with the cool kids. And I, I think it's uh, I think it's dirty pool in many ways. I think he was taking it out on Artie Evans for what happened to Brett during the ceremony. And oh god, that, that's just that's just maniacal is what that is. It's uh, a deeply unhealthy vibe that Vince McMahon on a regular basis puts out there. Um, is there anything else from the Hall of Fame you wanted to hit? Uh, nope. That is good enough for me if you would like to take us into WrestleMania. Okay, WrestleMania. Now, Jeff, I, I'll tell you what. I did not do the pre-show, and I'm actually kind of regretting it because I've heard that the Buddy Murphy-Tony Nice match really kicked ass during the pre-show. W- what did you think about it? I thought it was very good. I thought it suffered from a lack of emotional involvement in Tony Nese. I was not feeling him on 205 Live this week. I thought the lack of a champion's address coming off of this big win at WrestleMania really hurt Tony. Uh, this was a fun match. Um, you know, it's a cruiserweight style, cruiserweight classic style match. Lots of moves. Um, and then Nice hit, uh, Nice hit a German suplex and a running knee into the corner and all of a sudden got a pin out of nowhere. So The running Nice is a very anticlimactic finishing move. And yes. I would like to see him change it up. In the past, he has done things like a 450. And, you know, Tony can do a lot of things. He's a very talented guy. I, I think he needs to change up what the finishing move is. Have the running niece be a signature spot. Maybe do a little taunting or, you know, maybe you know, count the abs real quick or something before you do the running niece. Something. Um, I, I did like this week when he came out with the belt. He, you know, pointed at the belt and he's got, like, I've got one reason why I'm better than everybody else. And that, that, that was a nice little writing touch. But um, I'm still a little cold on Tony Nice as our baby face top of the card 205 Live champion. Uh, Carmella won the Women's Battle Royal. 17 women ended up being in this. If you guessed 17 as the final number for this Battle Royal, uh, you win. You win. Two from NXT, Ky- Candice LeRae and Kyrie Sane. Ember Moon made her return here. Uh, did not get a musical entrance. Uh, Naomi did. Which was a little surprising. Um, you know, every guy got that s- spot. Uh, Carmella went out and hid. Uh, Sarah Logan eliminated Asuka, and then Carmella came in, super kicked Logan out. Right, yeah. You know, Lacey Evans, surprisingly not in this. Um, but they had plans for her anyway, so I guess it kind of makes sense. But the Carmella thing, I think, is going to be extraordinarily incidental. I don't quite know what is going on, but uh, they see a lot in Carmella, probably because she's attractive, and she is. Uh, you know, there are a lot of good spots here, but nothing... Uh, you know, the, the the highlight for me was uh, Ember Moon and Naomi uh, working together. I think they had really good chemistry. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think they're both really athletic, so they, they make a nice pairing. Then we had Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder Defeating the Revival in a match that had, I believe it was all of one week of a build. Um, So, finally, Kurt Hawkins breaks the streak at WrestleMania. I I mean, this is, boy, this story is like the monkey's paw, right? Like, they, they tell the story. It culminates at WrestleMania with them winning the Tag Team Championship. And Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder are just a couple of guys. Chris, what is Kurt Hawkins' finishing move? Um, 
It is a backslide. Is it? Because I had no idea, because he won with a roll-up both uh, at Mania and on Raw. That's why I was joking. I, I, I don't know that it's anything other than a backslide. I thought the Revival were great in this match. Um, and this guy's I feel very bad. Too. I feel very bad for the Shevival, uh, both the Revival and Bailey and Sasha. I think they care more about the tag team division than anybody else in that company. And I think because they care, they are kind of mocked behind their backs. Because why should this stuff matter to you? Um, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens to the Revival in the next few weeks. Um, they were told to wait it out, and uh, this was their reward being kind of transitional champions, if you really want to be honest. And gain the pre-show treatment on WrestleMania. So after all of this, you guys end up being the tag team champions and can't make it onto this main card, which had uh, 11 matches on it. Aye, aye, aye. Then we get Braun Strowman winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal by eliminating Colin Jost. This was everything I had imagined it would be, and more. Uh, no real shocks in terms of, um, in terms of people in the, in, in, in the, uh, Battle Royal. They didn't debut anybody in there. Uh, kind of the same story as Carmella, as Shay and Jost hide while everybody eliminates themselves. Couple of guys took some, uh, bad bumps and people were careless with them. Uh, Grand Metalik being foremost with them, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Ali. And Luke Harper, uh, that was not carelessness on Luke Harper's part, but the drop kick into the suplex. Oh boy, and that was insane. Ali just hitting his face. Yeah, jeez, jeez, like yeah, yeah, that was nuts. That was nuts. Um, and then uh, basically Strowman eliminated the Saturday Night Live guys, and uh, everybody got those hands. Yep, I mean, not a shocker. Kind of, this is the person we thought was going to win, and I mean, once you introduce Colin Jost and Michael Shea, like that's that's the whole point of this. It's about those guys, anyways. So to that point, it makes it even more ridiculous that anyone was taking like break your back style bumps in something like this. But here we are. Um, then we get to the main card, which opened up with Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. Um, Let me pause. Okay. It started with Alexa Bliss hosting Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They made a WrestleMania moment that I was supposed to remember for the rest of my life. Yeah, he got more applause than I thought he would. Uh, The New Day kind of of, uh, dissed him during the Hall of Fame. I thought that was appropriate. Um, I was shocked at how positive the response was. But yes, then Paul Heyman comes in and says, uh, "You know what alarms me about the response, f- Jeff? Is, is that I don't even think it's as though there's been like some sort of moral arbitration. I just don't think the news stays top of mind like that as the years go by. I I agree. I think uh, I think they're WWE fans first, citizens second in many ways. In this case, yeah, they're just sure. happy to see a guy." Back in the company that they grew up loving. Yep, yep. So then we get into our first match, which was Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman comes out and says Brock Lesnar doesn't get paid by the hour, that he wants to get out of here. He doesn't want to deal with all the traffic, which ended up being a sage move. Traffic ended up being pretty lousy. So smart on Brock once again. 
And then Brock Lesnar proved me right that him as champion this entire run wasn't going to pay off because this belt drop match was not very good, and Seth Rollins ended up winning the title. I was a little bit surprised, Jeff, that Seth won the title, but I figured when you had this opening up mania, they weren't going to end this first match with Seth losing. Uh, I liked it. I hated the ending. I hated the groin kick because he tried to justify it on Raw the next night saying uh, Brock would do the same thing to me if he had the chance when Brock's been coming down and just throwing him around face to face. He's never hit him in the in the nuts. Um, if this is a, leading up to a heel turn by Seth, I'm fine with that. I just the ruthless aggression excuse did not uh, did not register with me. I understand that. No, if uh, anything, he was getting what they've been up. doing is they've been kind of through lining it with this is the sort of things that Brock has shown himself to be susceptible to when he has fought other people the size of Seth Rollins. Uh, but I like the energy. Um, I. Look, I, I I wanted a better match than this, but I got a nice short sprint. I understand he attacked him before the I didn't bell, wait so. this long to get a short sprint, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if you're telling me like that, that the point of this was to build up to a short sprint match to open up WrestleMania, I'm sort of going like, what were these arguments being made to defend this to me over the last year plus? Because like you could have been having title matches, and instead you got this. So if this is what you were waiting for, if like this is the payoff you needed, okay, and then I'm glad you got that. I, I, I just have not gotten anything out of this last Brock Lesnar title run. It did not get Seth over as much as I thought it would. No. I uh, yeah, I, I I mean, I just I don't think it was very helpful. If anything, I think I think there were a lot of victims along the way in this Brock Lesnar last title run and not a lot of winners. The opposite of a sprint was next as AJ Styles pinned Randy Orton in about the same oh, amount of time. Oh, my. I, a 16-minute Randy Orton match in 2019? I, 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 I mean, when I saw we were buckling it, I was like, I think we're going to get more than one superplex. And, and we certainly, we didn't get that many superplexes, but we did move to the Randy Orton 10 minutes or more, sit on the top turnbuckle and fight with each other spot to build up to a superplex. Yeah, uh, Styles won. That kind of shocked me a bit. Um, I thought Randy Orton was going to win for sure. I don't know. They've been giving him such an edge throughout this entire feud. It kind of made some sense that eventually Styles was going to go over. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want me to say, man? It's a 16-minute Randy Orton match. I, I th- This guy has not been really applying himself. It's, it's been a while since I've seen a good Randy Orton match. And this was AJ Styles, who was trying, but, I mean, this is with a guy who was trying, and this was WrestleMania. This is just kind of the work level that Randy Orton's going to turn in at this point. And I don't think anything's holding him back other than his own attitude. Caring is for nerds, Chris. Yeah, it's true. It's true. If you're Mark for yourself, it's, it's the worst thing in the world. Um, The SmackDown tag title match, a four-way, Jimmy and Jey Uso retain. Thought this was, was a lot of fun. Uh, Your usual car wreck, everybody gets to hit a move and then get a pin, but I thought it, uh, I thought it flowed well, only to then have the Usos lose the titles on Tuesday to the Hardy Boys so that Lars Sullivan could kill them. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was strange. That was just that was just a very strange little move there. 
Um, I, I mean, I, I guess it makes some sense that the, the Hardy Boys can work as these transitional champion figures. But yeah, I, I was surprised when the Hardy Boys ended up winning the titles back. Um, I liked this match. I, I did. I mean, you just kind of summed it up nicely. It was about 10 minutes and it was the 10 minutes eight man match that you expect from WWE. Like uh, lots of, yeah, the, lots the, of double team spots and that sort of thing. Yeah, the Usos were there, and Ricochet and, and Black were there to throw themselves at Rusev, Shinsuke, Sheamus, and Cesaro. That, that yeah. was pretty much the story of this match, and I was fine with that, because, uh, you know, if you're not going to do anything with those other four, they are there to take a good beating, and they, they, they're, they're very smooth. I loved the uh, Cesaro-Sheamus uh, duo uh, spot. I thought that was uh, clever. Yeah, um, and then next, we had, this was honestly one of the highlights of the show for me, Shane McMahon, really? I like Shane McMahon versus The Miz, Th- this went from being dumb, and, 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 and at points, Jeff, at points, unbelievably bad, like when The Miz's dad got in the ring, like that was, that's yeah. wrestle crap at a wrestle crap level, um, yet, yet, the final five minutes of this match actually pretty decent, especially for Shane McMahon and The Miz. If I'm grading it on Shane McMahon and The Miz standards, the last five minutes of this was, like, poetry. It's just, unfortunately, like, there's another ten minutes for me to, like, kind of grade against here. But I really like the home stretch of this match. I did. I just cringe when I watch Shane Potato Miz. I do. I just, I'm like, dude, learn to... I hope he got as good as he gave. That's all I hope. That's my one hope, because... You'd watch and you'd see Miz, you know, cringe every time he got really hit because Shane, when he gets excited, doesn't have a very good depth perception. Um, I thought the ending was dumb. I'm sorry. I, I It's a stupid baby face syndrome. I'm going to suplex you off this thing and I'm going to get pinned. Yeah, no, okay, da, da, so da, da, I, hate, da, da, da. I hate the the banana peel finish, but this is also, I, I, I went into this, Jeff, expecting banana peel finish, Shane wins. So okay. I knew I it, it was on the tape on the last episode. I I knew we were gonna get to this and like that's never gonna be satisfying. But like I'm thinking of this in the context of I got an awesome superplex spot leading into that spot. So it okay. yeah I, I was fine. Um, would, I'm fine with that. I'd I'm fine with, with you liking winning, this. Yeah, but I like the superplex. I I will not try and change your mind. It wasn't exactly my cup of tea. We can agree to disagree. Sure, sure, that's fine. Um, speaking of not my cup of tea, up next, the Iconics end up winning the Women's Tag Team Championships from Bailey and Sasha, the Boss and Hug Connection, a catchy name if there ever was one, versus Nia Jax and also Beth Phoenix and Natalia. This is actually a fairly short match, too, and... I gotta tell you, you know, Sasha Banks, there, there's been some drums. We, we talked about that a bit in the news section here. Um, Sasha... I don't think we did. I'd actually, I don't think we did, so maybe we need to bat that up now right here after I finish my comment. Sasha Banks has, you know, been kind of touch and go here recently on television in the ring. And I felt that once again during this match, she was a bit touch and go. Uh, ambitious, she's always trying to do big things, but the execution of those big things, it's not always there. Like, I, I that frog splash was ugly to my eye, uh, and notably so. I think she wanted to build a real division. I think she wanted to go to NXT and different shows and defend these belts. And show that women's tag team wrestling is just as good as men's tag team wrestling. 
And what they got instead was women's tag team wrestling being treated like men's tag team wrestling. We're going to give the Iconics their WrestleMania moment that they've worked so hard for. Tears, emotion. Yeah, you want to be treated like the men? Monkey's paw for yeah. you, too. And so Sasha no-showed Wendy Williams' appearance saying she had family issues and she is now on vacation with her husband. Bailey comes out and promptly gets beat by Alexa Bliss. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Bailey will be trying to make this company love her for the next five or six years, even if Sasha leaves. And then they will invite Sasha back to the do the uh, Hall of Fame induction for Snoop Dogg or something. And she'll come back and have a match with Bailey or something. And then Bailey will be left there to, again, make other people look great. I, uh... I watched the uh, State of the Tag Team Division thing during the weekend. They had that special kind of roundtable and was them in the revival. And you can just tell that they are passionate about the art of tag team wrestling. I thought this was a short-sighted move. I thought this was a stupid move. I think you can give the Iconics a tag team run at any time. Yep. But I also thought that they were setting the table for this belt drop. Going into this, this is why I kind of predicted the Iconics were going to win the titles here. Is dude, I, I what? I'm I'm I'm. Oh, I, I had a point and I forgot what it was, <laughs> but it had to do with Sasha, and it's like Sasha. They they're making fun of her on TV for never being able to defend a title. Yeah, right, right. That or actually, it's yeah, not being able to successfully retain a title. Um, and actually have a successful title defense. And that is going to be this recurring motif of her career. And you go, oh, well, that's a plot point. That's something they can work around. Actually, when it's this particular wrinkle in her character, no, it's just a dig. It's just getting buried. Um, Because there's no redemption arc with that kind of knock. Yeah, and I will bring up this point now. Every time they had a special guest commentator, they were dreadful. Oh, yeah. Paige. Booker T, JBL, um, who else was, uh, there? Uh, Paige, Booker T, JBL, oh, Shawn Michaels, just bad. Uh, I know him by his more modern name, HB Shizzle, but yes, uh, um, and also Paige has now hinted on SmackDown that she is bringing in a team. Let's do some reckless speculation. Who do you think it is? I think she's going to be managing the Sky Pirates. I think that's a phenomenal idea. I think they're going to overthink this and decide maybe Kyrie and Candice, or maybe even, God help us, Bad and Bougie. Oh, no, I don't think she's going to manage a heel team. I, you don't? No, I, I think Paige's purpose here is to serve as, like, a baby face foil to the Iconics, like okay. a tormentor type of figure to them, and the Iconics will keep narrowly escaping Paige. A little Coy- Coyote Roadrunner play going on here with an inversion of who's the baby face and who's the heel in this case. I'll take that. I'm hoping it's the Sky Pirates, but I think they're going to keep EO down. I always rooted for the Coyote, so I'm on board with this. Screw that, Roadrunner. Kofi Kingston pinned Daniel Bryan to win the WWE title. Chris, out of the two titles, the one that was being held hostage was the Universal title. 
That's why I didn't understand all the cutting to the back when all the emotion should have been on the New Day, in my opinion. I really right. did Isn't not. Isn't the Universal title the one being liberated and the one that now all of these gentlemen in the back can finally compete for that they have not had a chance to be able to compete for for months for some years, literally, whereas Daniel Bryan's been available on TV. No, I mean, there's just this all-out commitment to get Kofi Kingston as an A-level babyface. And I think, you know, the problem with this storyline, which was, you know, meant to be a a bit of a parallel version of the Daniel Bryan storyline, the thing with Daniel Bryan is that when Daniel Bryan was being labeled as a B-plus player back in 2013, the reason he was considered B-plus was that in Vince McMahon's eyes, people who are of Daniel Bryan's height and of his look don't have the big, like, super mesomorph body like Bobby Lashley. People like Daniel Bryan can't carry a product because they're not, in Vince's eyes, charismatic enough. It was a stylistic thing. It wasn't an objective thing because the point was, for the audience, Daniel Bryan was more than compelling enough to be the face of this brand, and you could see that in the national spotlight and stuff. So when you're doing this B-plus narrative thing, it's working against what actually is objective reality, which is that Daniel Bryan in 2013 was a strong enough force on television that he really could have been the face of WWE going forward into this decade. Now, obviously, Vince McMahon had plans for Roman Reigns, blah, 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 put all of that to the side. The problem with Kofi Kingston right now is that, and I don't mean this, I don't want to break anyone's heart with this, but Kofi Kingston is not Daniel Bryan. He's not an A-plus guy. I've been trying to think of a metaphor from my wrestling history, and the best one I've got, Jeff, and I'm sure maybe you can come up with a better one here, is it would be like in 1998 or 1999, taking the WCW World Heavyweight title and putting it on Juventud Guerrera and trying to make Hoovy. Um, at the peak of Hoovy's popularity, I, I, I maybe some people know Hoovy for his more scurrilous nature in recent years here, but like 1999, he was really, really popular. He could really go in the ring, but Hoovy couldn't talk very well. And Hoovy had certain limitations with his match and his match range. Hoovy worked a very specific type of match and really could do that one match and could do the things that he could do in that match. Sometimes he wouldn't even do those things. That's a whole different discussion. Kofi has that too. Kofi's got high spots. Can he jump? Absolutely. He's a gifted athlete. Sure, why not? Um, Matt wrestling? Eh, shaky hand. Storytelling? Eh, shaky hand. Working limbs, working joints. All of these things that Daniel Bryan has, that Daniel Bryan was bringing to the table in 2013, the stuff that made Daniel Bryan an A-level talent... Kofi Kingston doesn't have it. And that has been the fundamental lie this entire time in this story. And no amount of people you put in the back, standing by a monitor, eyes askance, are going to change that. He's a solid (coughs) role player slash character actor who can't carry a film. You know, he's a great actor who... You know, he's always like that fourth or fifth guy on the marquee. But if you put him in his own project... Oh, I love him when he's in those movies. Oh, I love him in those movies. He's that guy. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, I agree with you. I don't think he has the promo ability. I don't think he has the match working style to carry that belt. And I they think don't even he have will... the character for him to carry that belt. Right. Even if he had all those other things, and he doesn't, and you're right on that. The, the character, the fact that he's still in the neon pink and blue and the waffles and the pancakes and all that crap, he's just still not a serious champion. He's the fact yeah. that he didn't serious himself up nope. for this title run is one of the big missteps that they had. And one of the big reveals that they're not trying to make a new star here out of this. I mean, that's the other part of this is is if they were actually committed to the project of making Kofi Kingston a star coming out of this, I'd buy it. If I thought he went on this hero's journey and now that he's got the title, the world looks at Kofi Kingston a different way, and he's even kind of in the public sphere a little bit the way Daniel Bryan was. Remember when, uh, what was it, uh, San Francisco Giants won the World Series and they were doing the yes chants and stuff like that? If I thought for a second that Kofi Kingston had the ability to permeate into culture even on a fraction of that level, maybe I'd be able to bite on this. But I don't. I think that he's went on this journey, and, and with a snap of Vince's fingers, any modicum of stardom he currently has can just be washed away, and he's back to flipping pancakes. Now, I want to bring up something. I will not deny African-American wrestlers who have gone through the WWE who are very emotionally moved by this move. I well, thought is, that... Another, I, yeah, let's let's stop and also say this now that now that I've said all that and I sound like I'm like the biggest hater in the world. This is, yeah. with all of that to the side, this is an important moment. What happened at WrestleMania was an important moment. And the fact that Vince pulled the trigger on this, that like the hand was actually forced on this, that the New Day built themselves to this level of relevance to even consider doing this with Kofi Kingston. All of that is a mark of long overdue, let me stress long overdue, progress. Yes. Um, I especially liked, uh, I think it was Shad and uh, MVP watching together and just kind of crying. I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, so from here, it kind of goes downhill, I think. Um, Roman Reigns pinned Drew McIntyre. Feel good story. It was nice. Yeah, you're not going to beat Roman Reigns in his first match back or his first serious match back at WrestleMania when, you know, you've been telling this overcoming cancer story and Roman Reigns now oh, wait, has the, um, he now has the Susan B. Komen or like the little ribbon that's kind of woven into the Roman Reigns logo thing now. Um, and I think it did skip Samoa Joe squashing the hell out of Rey Mysterio, which was enjoyable. I liked that. I am fine with squash totally. matches at WrestleMania. Absolutely. No, that was great. And it made Samoa Joe look really strong. So the next night, when Braun Strowman comes out, we're ready for that because we've built Samoa Joe back up. So that was a meaningful, useful, structurally important squash match. I have absolutely no problem with that. And do you really need a long Rey Mysterio match at this point? The answer is no, you don't, because I used to review Lucha Underground. Um, I liken it to SD Jones getting beat by King Kong Bundy. I, I, I love it. Um, yeah, I will let you take over. Now. Okay. Okay. So then we get Triple H versus Batista in a match that went on a very, very long time. Um, so Batista came out. Batista, he's a really interesting guy in that all of his different runs in WWE, he has 
come in and looked really physically different at various points, and not like necessarily in a bad way. It's just you know like the initial WWE run, Batista's like you know massive. Um, and now like this time he still looks like he's in great shape. He just kind of actually has like an MMA like fighters kind of build, and I, I like the look. Um. But boy, this match was arduous. Um, I, you know, I've never really cared for Triple H matches. Um, even kind of at peak Triple H, I kind of found the guy boring. I don't make him on the video games. Um, I, I'm just not a Triple H fan. Um, and and this match didn't change any of that. I found his entrance to be far too self-indulgent as usual. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like I see that to me is a foregone conclusion. Uh, like that, these matches are mostly for his own amusement at this point, and not ours. I just found him unlikable in how he was beating up Dave. He was a sadist, and I don't want my hero being a sadist necessarily, oh even God, though he beat up his best friend. Stuff, and then Shawn Michaels saying the same like three things during the entire match. Of now, I know, I know that Triple H he puts on that suit and yeah. tie. He puts on that suit and tie, but he is a sick guy. Which also is like not the way you get over a baby face. Like here's a guy, he has a smile on his face, but he's he's a monster. Exactly. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Shawn Michaels did not help. The pliers to the nose ring right, spot. Right. I went, ugh. Uh, that was just like but, sick out, you know, gross out sort of humor. It's it's his usual walk and brawl that he yes. does now. So I'm, I, I mean, just don't know. need 25 minutes of it, Jeff. Like, that was... I, I'm looking at the card right now. That was the longest match on the show. Runtime. Bell yeah. to bell. Yeah, that that's not right. That's too long. Then we had... Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle, you and I, when we talked about this, we were so convinced that this match would not go off that we had an entirely parallel conversation about other things that would occur with certitude. Um, And I am here to tell you right now, Hawkins and all who are listening, we were wrong as hell. This match actually did go off, and uh, this appears to be the end of Kurt Angle's run. Mr. Moonsault got pinned, I'm fine with the end, uh, and then got killed by Lars Sullivan on Raw. I liked that part of it. Um, I just, Baron Corbin getting this win, it's just so hollow, because Corbin's a guy yeah. who, no, this will be a trivia question sort of thing, I, which sucks. It sucks that who was Kurt Angle's last match isn't going to be a memory like Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels. It's going to be a trivia question. Uh, Bobby Lashley and his contact lenses dropped the IC title to Finn Balor and his body paint he's been staying in all night. Well, he came out as the yeah. animal, Bobby Lashley. You know, you, you have the demon, and then you have the animal, and obviously when Finn Balor comes out in the demon face paint, he's going to win the title, and, and so he did. A little too on the nose. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Becky Lynch wins all the gold in a controversial fashion, uh, pinning Ronda Rousey, who had a shoulder up. She had a shoulder up at like one. This is this is a this well not so like finish to this match. I, I this is okay. Now I I've been told Jeff. I I have heard through the rumor mill the the trusted, well regarded Nova Marino rumor mill that this finish didn't go off as planned, which was my reaction in watching a backslide finish to WrestleMania. Uh, is is this true? Is the Nova Burrito rumor vindicated once again? Um, it did not go off as planned, but the blame went to the referee who has been fined. He should have not 
He should have not counted the three. Oh. Okay. All right. So then what was the original planned finish then? Uh, pin, pin Ronda. Well, no, I get pin Ronda, but like... It, For the three count there. Oh, so that was supposed to be a three on a backslide, essentially. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Okay. So the the, the botch <laughs> was that he should have counted the three there and that they should have taken another pass at it to get a roll-up finish. This was a good but not great match, a match that went on far too late for anybody to be energetic about it. Um, Following it that triple eight match, at times. yeah, I mean, that's just that's a lot to process. It was sloppy at times, but people were giving it their all, but you could tell they were tired. Um, you know, I don't think it was a match befitting the status, and I, th- I, th- I think they're probably disappointed. Um. No, it, it I was mean, not really, Bailey, what they it was not Bailey, Sasha, and Brooklyn. No, what they should have done Bailey, is close with Kofi and Daniel Bryan, because, like, for all of our problems with the storyline, here's the thing. A lot of the audience is totally hook, line, and sinker with the Kofi Kingston storyline. You can finish with Kofi and his kids in the New Day celebrating at the end of WrestleMania, yeah. and Xavier Woods going around with the trombone, and that is a perfect, great go-home frame. But for the fans, they did crown Becky, so everybody went home happy. Yeah, yeah, right. They they were satisfied. Look, I mean, for a lot of people, they didn't care how Becky Lynch got the title. She could have she could have low-blowed both Ronda and Charlotte Flair, and that could have left a lot of people scratching their heads, and, and she could have won the titles right there, and that they would have been fine with that as well. I am sick, so I am going to stop the show there. You can join us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash shakethemropes. We may record something this weekend, we may just rest. Uh, you can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow me at CrapGame13. Chris, where else can they find Don't you? Worry.tv is where you get all of the best commentary on the state of the world. Go to Don't Worry.tv or get on iTunes and Stitcher and download. Subscribe to Don't Worry About the Government. Go and check it out today at Chris Novembrino. We will see you for the brand <laughs> split. What is it called? Shake the brand up extent? a superstar, oh, superstar shake, shake up. Yep, next week. Get up! credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.